So it's um it's a special episode of Bookaholics Anonymous because I'm here. Francesca is not here, but I have Kayla with me. Hi guys. How's it going? It's been a hot second. I know. You guys are probably sick of me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's almost a year since we had you on for the first time. Yes. For Murder on the Nile, wasn't it? Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. Same thing. Yeah, so I feel like that's only it's only apt that we have you on again to celebrate the one year Mm -hmm. anniversary. Right, and it's my favorite season, so this is just, like, the best. Spooky season. Spooky season. I'm here yeah, for it. Yeah, unfortunately, Francesca could not make it to our recording session tonight because she had surgery, so she's not feeling too hot. <laughs> Poor Francesca. So, Kayla kindly decided, kindly, kindly agreed to step in for her so we could put out an episode after we did not put out one last week. <laughs> oh my god. See, shows how much I know. I haven't been keeping up with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Francesca had her surgery last week. Right, exactly. She's and doing I was, she's doing fine, by the way. Right. She's yeah. fine. She's just like, you know, on painkillers and not feeling so hot. So mm-hmm. we I was actually supposed to go last week. I was home visiting because I had it was Canadian Thanksgiving. And I had a bunch of appointments I had to do. Wow. So we both decided she was not feeling fantastic. I was running around 24-7. So we're like, we'll just we'll just skip this one. Mm-hmm. So we're back. That's all right. You deserve a break every now and then. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate you saying that. Of course. <laughs> you worked so hard. Uh, just, you know, such a, a trying task to read books that I was already going to read. Right, exactly. <laughs> So, what are you drinking today, Kayla? Oh, today I'm drinking what I always drink. This is the, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Uh, Lime 39 Merlot. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a red. We love to see it. I personally am not a red kind of gal, but... I know. Many people are. <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking a white wine. I'm pretty sure it's called Gershwiner. Gershwiner? It's a German wine. I got it from. I thought so. Uh, yeah, I got it from Lake George a couple a month ago, a week, a couple weeks ago. Mm. So I'm actually finishing it. This is the rest of the bottle. So nice. <laughs> I just just finishing my bottle. Oh my gosh, <laughs> love that. All right, let's do it. We'll we'll pour one out tonight. Oh, of course, of course. I was actually telling Kayla when we were texting about this episode. I was like, if I would have known it was going to be only us, I would have coordinated. A Shadowhunters episode. I feel like we could have definitely covered some stories from the Magnus Bane Chronicles and from yeah. the ghost, the ghost of, of the Shadow Market would have been perfect. Yes, that's so true. Oh my god! And I read both. Next time, I read both of them. The only, me too. The me only too. Ones, of course. Of course. Obviously, uh, I'm sorry to say the only books I haven't read so uh, are the um, Magnus and Alec books. I haven't read them <gasps> yet. Oh my gosh! Those I are know. Like, oh, don't get me wrong. I think I actually have them both. Like. Right here on my shelf, because I they have to go together, because mm-hmm. they, you know, they have matching uh, matching book uh, dust jackets. Right. But I, I will say, I think the first one, which is called... I, I heard the second one is better. Really? I think the first one's better. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. What was it? Red well, Scrolls of Magic. Yeah. And then The Lost Book of the White is okay. the second one. We can talk about this later, because, like, oh my god, I need to... Yeah. We need to get into this. Yeah. 
Okay, so I guess I'll start. This is so weird. Like I know, mm-hmm. I know. Okay, so I obviously chose the book this week. Uh, I didn't give any details to Alicia. I only said that it was a YA mystery. Um, yes. So are you familiar with the Truly Devious books? I am. I've not read any of them. Okay. But I am familiar. All right, that's good, though. Uh, today we're not reading... Oh, not reading. We're not discussing the first book, Truly Devious. We're actually talking about the fourth installment in the series, The Box in the Woods. Ooh. So are, is this series, like, are they all independent stories that tie into each other, like, in some way? Or? Okay. So, yes, I was going to explain. So, okay. Perfect. Um, the whole series is by Maureen Johnson, by the way. And this book, actually, The Box in the Woods, just came out this past June, I believe. I rem- Yes, I remember seeing it out. Yeah, so it's fairly new. I love the Truly Devious books. So the first three are like a trilogy in in and of itself. Um, okay. And then this book, it's technically a continuation in, in the series, but you mm-hmm. but you absolutely do not have to read the first three in order to enjoy this book. Okay, perfect. Because I was planning on reading the first three at some point, not for, I don't know, maybe I'll cover it for the pod, who knows, but mm-hmm. like just in general, so that works perfectly. Yeah, no, I appreciate like this kind of book because it, goes into very little detail about what happened previously, but it gives you enough to, like, understand and still follow the story and the characters. Right. I always am, like, not nervous when Kayla comes on, but always I'm like, there's one of these times you're going to cover a book and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I've read that one. Because we have very similar, like, tastes. We have very similar tastes. That's why I'm always so careful. (laughs) You don't even know, Alicia, I looked at your Goodreads before I I picked a book. Before I picked a book. It's bound to happen at some point where we just, like, overlap because we just read so many of the, like, the similar books. Exactly. So I was very careful, and, I mean, (laughs) sorry I'm going to spoil this book for you, but at least you can still go back and read the other ones. That's fine. If it's good enough, I'll read it even though I know the ending. Like, Francesca covered Final Girls last episode, Mm -hmm. and it sounded so good. She made it sound so good that I think I'm going to actually read it. I want to read that, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I, my notes are so detailed. That's the thing. Like this book, it's a murder mystery. So there are so so many details that I'm trying to fit in there. And that's why my notes took forever. I actually didn't finish them, but I'm just going to wing it. (laughs) That's in true Kayla fashion. Every single time. I never finish my notes. Every single time. I, that's why I stay away from, mm-hmm. I've started staying away from mysteries because you have to be so detailed in your notes and right. I do not have the, like, I don't have the patience for that. Mm-hmm. That's why Francesca's episodes are a lot, usually longer than mine because <laughs> she will do mysteries right. and she does have the patience for that. Yeah, that, well that's like the majority of what she reads. So. Right. So, I'm just going to give you a brief backstory on the Truly Devious books. So, right. Um... And this book uh, focuses on our main character, Stevie, uh, short for Stephanie Bell. She Ooh. she is an aspiring detective. Uh, so, like, she's been focusing on the um, Ellingham murders her whole life. Um, she's an expert in them. Uh, these murders took place in the 1930s, and they surrounded a... Um, a school for prodigious prodigious teenagers. Try saying that three times fast. I can't. I can't (laughs) even pronounce that word. I know. So the Ellingham Academy um, is in Vermont near Burlington. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she went there as a a student and 
um, she went there specifically to solve the murders. So, like, her specialty as a prodigy was the murders themselves. And she solved them. Spoiler alert. Um, she solved the murders in three books, and they were great, and you should read them. Um, but the book, uh, this book, explains her solving the original case. She's been obsessed with her whole life, and now she's become a local celebrity of sorts. Um, but now things have died down a little bit, and she's become bored since solving the case because this, <laughs> her, literally, her life's purpose has been fulfilled, and she's like, what do I do now? It's like when you, like, leave college, mm-hmm. when you're done with college, and you're like, okay, what do I do with my life now that I'm done with school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what do I do? Why am I adulting now? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So she's like, okay, I'm an adult now at 16. I can just, <laughs> I can As on. we all think. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, but... Uh, At the beginning of the summer after her junior year of high school, she gets the opportunity to solve a new case that she is familiar with, but not to the extent she was of the Ellingham murders. Um, They are called the Box in the Wood murders, therefore the title of the book. Is this, like, inspired off of, like, the actual case? I don't... The Girl in the Box? Girl in the Box. Why does that sound familiar? Explain. It was um, Long Island, I'm pretty sure. Francesca was here. She's going to literally be screaming. I know. I'm positive. That's why I was like, I picked this book because I thought you both would enjoy it because it's YA and it's a mystery, but she's right. she's missing out. Um, but that's fine. I don't know. Is it? I'll I'm e- looking it up right now. Do it. Like, I'll explain uh, it to you and maybe it'll sound familiar. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's. There's a. There's a couple of them. That's why it's like hard. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure there was one in Long Island, on Long Island. Sorry. Okay, because this one isn't in Long Island. This is in Massachusetts, but it could still be based on it. It could be. When When were the murders? Um, 1977 and 1984. Okay, it's definitely based on it. This the. Mur- okay, so this is. <laughs> Happened in California, okay. but I think there was one on Long Island as well, but this this one that I'm thinking of is in California. Okay, because the murder took place in 1978, um, so probably. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, right. the Box in the Wood murders, as I said, it takes place, uh, the murder took place July 6th, 1978, um, and the book opens... Um, in a flashback. So what's cool about this book is similar to the Truly Devious books is it goes back and forth in time um, with the events that happened in the past while the murders occurred and then um, in the present Stevie trying to figure out the mystery. So the intro starts in the past, the night of the murders. It Mm -hmm. takes place at Camp Wonderfalls in western Massachusetts. Uh, It the uh, camp is right next to a small town called Barlow Corners, so everybody knows everybody. Of course. Small town, a lot of shit happens. It's um, always got to be a small town. Always, always small town. Always. Murders. Um, so we follow, this book is told all in third person, by the way, but we follow. Oh, my favorite. I know. So it's like third person, um, like what? Omniscient? Th- not omniscient. What's the other one? Mm-hmm. It's where you focus on the different characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I don't know what the word is, but I know what you're talking about. Okay, let's uh, assume everybody else does too. Right. 
Okay, so we focus in on this uh, girl, Sabrina Abbott. Um, she's a counselor at the camp. She's like the town good girl. She gets straight A's. She doesn't do anything wrong. Um, but this night in particular, she goes out into the woods with fellow counselors, Todd, Eric, and Diane, to pick up um, weed from the drop-off drop point in the middle of the woods. You gotta, take, you gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do. So Eric, is, I support it. Eric is like the dealer, so he goes to pick up the stash. Um, so they all come with him. They all go to pick up the stash and smoke for the night in the middle of the woods. It's about five miles from camp. Um, the stash is in an old hunting blind. Um, if you don't know what that is, I'm going to. I have the page right here. So let me see. And you can also Google it. You'll, it'll be pr pretty um, self-explanatory after that. So, let's see. It's an old hunting blind. Hunters would hide inside while they were hunting deer. It's got little openings in the side they could look out of. So that's basically what it was. That's where the weed was stashed, and they go to pick it up. And this Solid. Com yeah, this comes back later, you'll see. Uh, hence okay. the box in the woods. Uh, so Sabrina in her head, obviously, reminisces about the rough year she's had and her recent breakup with her boyfriend, Sean, and how, how she's looking to start anew. She's going to be going to Columbia in the fall. She's, like, she's on the up and up. Okay, and so we, um, the kids start hanging out and smoking, and um, she starts hanging out with the edgy crowd after that, after her breakup. Um, Sabrina smokes for the first time, and she's like lit. She's having a ball. She's like, this is great. She is. This is great. She's all in her head. They're listening to Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what else do you listen to when you're high? Honestly, and I, I love it. Yeah, Stevie Nicks is like Sabrina's idol. It's awesome. And um, then she kind of loses track of time. And she, Diane and Todd wander off to go like hook up or whatever because they're together and then she starts flirting with Eric um she gets in her head a little bit and time goes by really fast and then she turns around and realizes Eric's gone too um oh no yeah she doesn't this is my worst nightmare yeah she's like super high so she didn't even realize he left and then she goes away from the, the campsite where they were hanging out at, and she finds Todd and Diane a few yards away from where they were, laying together, but unmoving. Ooh, then, no. I, I know, it's bad. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and then she hears footsteps behind her and turns around, and that's when we go into chapter one. So, oh, no. So... Moving on, we open. <laughs> we open with an article uh, written by one of Stevie's classmates about solving the Ellingham murder. So a little bit of backstory there, um, with the help of her friends from school, Janelle, Nate, Vi, Jermaine, and now boyfriend David. Uh, love that. Yes. Like one of my best friends' name is, is Janelle. So oh, cute. Love that. Yeah, Janelle is great. I love her. Um, she is an engineer and a scientist. She also wow, smarty pants. She's a smarty pants. She loves crafts. Like she is so cute. And her and Vi are a couple. Vi is a non-binary character who's also amazing. We love that. And Stevie is now home for the summer. As I said, she receives an email from this guy named Carson Buckwald. He owns, hmm. yeah, he's a, a tech bro. You'll see. Oh, I know. 
so she receives an email from Carson. He is now the current owner of Camp Sunny Pines, formerly known as Camp Wonderfalls, as in the Camp Wonderfalls from the murders. Right. He is the uh, owner and founder of Box Box. Now listen. Oh, okay. <laughs> now listen Creative. to this. It is a s- subscription box for boxes and bags <laughs> of all kinds. Ha- Tell okay. me if this is not like some 2021 shit. Like that it is. Yeah. It is. Of course. Yeah. So he tells her that he's starting a podcast about the Box in the Woods murders and wants to invite her to the camp for the summer and try to solve the mystery. And also podcasts, very 2021. Of course. Everyone has a podcast. Oh, look. (laughs) Speaking speaking of. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Okay, so now we go... Back to um, the next morning after the murders, so back in time again, July 7th, 1978. Uh, This counselor, Brandy Clark, wakes up the next morning to start the day. Um, One of her younger campers asks where Diane is, because Diane is like her counselor of her cabin, and she's like, she probably just got up early, like, I don't know, stop bothering me. And Brandy knows the counselors were out last night and she's annoyed that they're not back on time. She's like, they probably got wasted and they're just not back. They're still hanging out in the woods. Like, she's pissed because she needs help. Um, Those rascals. Those rascals. (laughs) (laughs) Those youngins. Why I oughta. (laughs) Hooligans. The get off my yard lady. Exactly. Yes. Um, but another little camper says um, someone is asleep on the path entering into camp from the woods. Oh, no. And, uh, and Brandy doesn't think that's good. So she follows her to the path. I agree. Yeah. She follows her to the path and finds Eric laying on the floor unmoving. Right at the edge of the woods, uh, upon further inspections, she sees his skin is purple and blood has pooled near his head. It's not looking good, fam. It's yes. It's not looking good. Not looking good at all. And so what does Brandy do? She screams. And then we go to chapter two. Of course. Of course. Always on a cliffhanger. Always. 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 So chapter two, Stevie agrees to go to camp as long as her friends get to come with her, a.k.a. Janelle and Nate. Those are her two best friends. Like I, I explained Janelle earlier before, she is a scientist and engineer. Nate. His, um, I'm not going to say that word anymore. He is a, (laughs) (laughs) he is a prodigy because he is 16 years old, but he wrote this, um, world renowned, uh, fantasy book. Wish that could be me. Is this the kid from, that wrote Aragon? Possibly. I don't, it's like a made up story, but you know. I'm feeling some vibes here. Yeah. I don't know why, but I mean, the kid who wrote Aragon was like 15 when he wrote it. So (sighs) could be, could be, could be. Um, but it's funny, but Nate is, like, my favorite character. He's, like, a, a wonderful small bean that you love. He doesn't, like, want to, doesn't do outdoors. He's v- very <laughs> much, like, in his own head. And he right. still has not finished the second book to his story. Um, he finds any excuse not to write. That's a mood. Not to That's write. A mood. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's in his own head, but then, like, he gets really excited because he wants to go to the summer camp because he's obsessed with horror movies, especially, like, summer camp horror movies, and he's like, oh, all right, sir. bet. Mm-hmm. Even though he hates the outdoors, he's like, I'm in. Let's, let's go. 
Love it. I love it. Actually, it's funny um, because later I was going to explain that the, the jobs they get as counselors, Carson makes up Nate's job. He literally becomes the camp librarian because they have like this library in a treehouse. And Nate, mm-hmm. Nate's excited because he gets to just hang out in his treehouse all summer. Right. Nice. Love it. I know. We love that for him. Um, so uh, let's see. Oh, Stevie's boyfriend, David, uh, he can't come because he's away helping a campaign for this, like, local politician, so he's out doing his own thing, so he can't come, but he kind of comes into play later in the story, and Stevie's parents hate her interest in murder, like, they wish that she'd shut up about it and move on and do something normal with her life. Oh, no. So, Stevie's like, how am I going to get my parents to say yes to me going to the summer camp? So it sets up this whole scene. Um, So she tricks her mom into letting her go to the camp because she starts talking about this book she's reading. It's called The Mm Nut. And this is a real book, and this is, like, extremely interesting. If you got, like, out there, readers, if you have time, look up at least pictures from this book because this is really cool. So it's called The Nutshell Studies of Unexplained Death. Have you heard of it? No, never. Okay, so it's about this woman named Frances Glessner Lee. And in the early training stages of homicidal investigators, like the first half of the 20th century, she she created these extremely detailed dioramas of murder scenes to study how the subjects were murdered and by who. Mm -hmm. And, like, you could just Google nutshell murders and it'll come up right away. Um, Highly recommend And so Stevie slips into the conversation as she's talking about this murder book uh, that she got invited to go to a summer camp and doesn't mention it's to solve the murders. And the mom's like, oh, my God, like you should go to the summer camp because like that's so much better than focusing on murder all day. Go outside. (laughs) Hang out with your friends. Gotcha. Reverse. (laughs) Gotcha. Reverse. Um, And so before the mom agrees to let her go she wants to see the email that was sent by Carson so she looks at it and she's like "Hmm, okay you can go because Stevie had emailed Carson back and is like hey can you send me like a version of this email that doesn't mention the murder so I can come And, (laughs) and he does we love a homie we love a homie wow he's a really an OG he's really trying the most here he's a he's a friend he's a friend even though it's for you know, selfish reasons. He's a friend. Well, yeah, you know, everyone's got their motives. Right, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so back to the past. Uh, same day when they discovered the um, the body of Eric. So now we follow Susan Marks. She is the uh, current runner of the camp in the 70s. She starts her day. Um, she's very organized. She has all kinds of clipboards. She's very excited about her clipboards and she's doing her thing. She does like the morning announcements and everything, but then she gets a call over the walkie talkie from, uh, the nurse Magda when they hear Brandy's scream. Both women run to the scene and find Eric's body. He has stab wounds all over him. Oh no. Very bad. Susan calls Sean Greenvale, AKA Sabrina's ex-boyfriend. Um, uh, he's one of the counselors, and he is uh, working at the lake house, and she calls him over the walkie-talkie because the lake house is the only place where they have um, a working phone. So she tells him to call the police. Something bad has happened. She doesn't give specifics. Then another counselor and teenager 
There's a lot of them. Another one, <laughs> Patty Horn runs out from the nurse's quarters to see the scene and starts freaking out. So Patty is actually a friend of the four kids who, who were murdered. She was supposed to go with the group that night, um, but actually was on house arrest at the nurse's quarters because she got in trouble before, and we'll go into that later. So she was actually supposed to be there. She's freaking out. She kind of um, has survivor's guilt. But she then right. she then asks where the other counselors are. And then Susan's like, others? There's more? Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Dun-dun-dun. And chapter three. Uh, so Stevie arrives by train about an hour outside of town in Springfield. And... Then um, Carson explains to her that he got jobs for both her friends. So like I explained earlier, uh, Nate has his treehouse. And Janelle will be working the arts and crafts station, which is very much up her alley. And as a cover, Stevie's going to be like working as her assistant. Um, she has little time to read up about the murders. She's, again, she's not as familiar with them. But the, her and her friends spend the night at Carson's bounce house where he, he and all kinds of creators have think jams, and I'm putting all of this in air quotes, um, for all kind of, like, creative pers- purposes. Think of it as, like, a Google Hangout, essentially. There's, like, a trap. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> There's, like, a trapeze and all kinds of crazy shit. Um, it's actually really funny. I, I marked a quote from later in the book. Basically, um summing up Carson's purpose to this whole thing. Uh, Stevie's confidence vanished as soon as it had come. She was a teenager saddled with a tech bro trying to solve something she knew little about. So, she's not in in the best circumstances right now. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And Carson explains that he's planned a charity event the next day uh, because he donated a new children's reading room to the town library. And everybody who was at the camp that night of the murders will be at the event, so Stevie has time to, like, interview them. Um, Not the best reason to run a charity, but go for it. I guess so. I guess. Uh... So, back in time, again, July 7th, 1978, again, uh, the sheriff and the deputy of the town discuss what could be the problem while on their way to camp. They talk about the hit and run that happened earlier that year, specifically seven months prior to the murders, to a young boy named Michael Penhale. Uh, Things haven't been the same since it happened. Everyone in the town knows Todd. Now, if you remember, Todd is one of the four kids I mentioned earlier. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that was murdered. Everybody knows Todd was the one who killed Michael. Everybody knows it, but nobody's doing anything about it. There's no proof, and no one's going to say anything. He's the son of the mayor. He's a football star. He's an absolute asshole. And Yikes. yeah, it's bad. Uh, so they arrive at camp and learn of Eric's death and the other three counselors' disappearances. Patty is questioned by police, and she tells them where the kids would have gone. The cops take their car through the dirt road until they see drag marks through the dirt, and mm-hmm. they find the hunting blind, and the rest of the bodies are in the hunting blind. Oh. 
and they're Interesting. and they're all like propped up in different angles and they're oh. and they're bound and it's really ugly and Yikes. um the final like nail in the coffin is that the word surprise is written in white paint on the wall of the box. Mm-hmm. Chapter four. Carson shows the kids a slideshow about the murders. He explains that technology and communication was different back then. Forensics were really bad. Everything was <laughs> everything was handled yeah. terribly. Horribly. Horribly in the 70s. Um he talks about the victims, like I said, Todd Cooper, Sabrina Abbott. She was the town good girl. She volunteered at the library. She was doing big things. Eric Wilds was the son of the town librarian and teacher at a high school. He was also the drug dealer, but he was still a good kid. He was. He a, seems cute. He was cute. He was nice. Like he was starting to have like a little blossoming thing with Sabrina. Right. Like so. What if he was a stoner? Like. Like. Come who on. Who cares? He's a good guy. Right. And then there was uh, Diane McClure, who was the daughter of the town diner owners, the Dairy Duchess. She likes rock music and having fun, and she was kind of, she wasn't really interested in doing any big things with her life. Uh, but she was Todd's girlfriend. Eh, poor decisions. <laughs> decisions were made. Decisions were made. Um, and then moving on to the actual murders. So, as I said, the bodies were arranged neatly in a box. Todd and Diane both had massive head wounds like Eric and multiple stab wounds. Sabrina, on the other hand, had no head wounds but had the most stabs in her body of 21 times. So this, so, this to me says that whoever killed them mm -hmm. knew Sabrina mm -hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Or the most. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, like, throwing this out here. Obviously, don't say anything because I don't want to be spoiled until, the, until we find out the whole truth. Sure. But because she had the most stab wounds, stabbing is, like, such an intimate thing. Mm -hmm. You have to be so close to someone to stab someone. Like, they always tell Absolutely. you, like, self-defense-wise, stabbing should be your, like, last resort because it's so close. It's hard to defend because mm -hmm. you're already so close to your attacker. So that, to me, like, tips me off that whoever this is knew Sabrina the most or had the most animosity towards Sabrina. Mm -hmm. So that is interesting. It is me. interesting. And that is one of the theories that they've had over the years, too. So we might, okay. might be on the right track. We shall see. I'm trying to pick up the slack here since, since Francesca's not here. So I'm not really a theory <laughs> kind of gal. But, uh -huh. but, but just from her having the most stab wounds, like, that means someone's fucking pissed. Right. You're doing a good her. job. Yes. Thank you, thank we, you. We love it. All right. You, you keep theorizing. <laughs> I will. I'll try. Jump on in. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, so as I said, the killer bound their legs and their wrists in red nylon cord specifically. So the theories they have about the murders, there are a few. So one, it was a drug deal gone wrong. It had to do with the weed itself, but that's really unlikely but that's one right. of, that's one of the more weak theories mm -hmm. another one is that there was this serial killer going on during that time in like the 70s and 80s called the woodsman and Ooh. he had Ooh. yeah I, yeah i don't like not either. a fan the woodsman yeah um but he had the same mo of writing surprise on the wall in paint and tying up his victims in red nylon cord most likely a theory is that it was a copycat, and, copycat. Not, and not the woodsman himself. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, this makes me so mad that Francesca is missing this. I this know! Is such this, a so right up her alley. This is such a good oh. one for her. The third one is revenge. So not only um, is Sabrina one to think of when you're thinking of, like, how are these murders tied together, but another one is Todd because um, Paul Penhale, who is the brother of the boy Michael who was killed in the hit and run, um, could have also killed them in revenge because Todd killed his brother. Right. But both Paul and Sean have an alibi because they were together the whole night in the lake house. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> yes, good, good ooh. You're on the right track, but not fully correct not quite ah dang it yeah (laughs) um okay chapter five the crew arrive at barlow corners the next day so the the town outside of camp and their first stop is to the bakery that's run by patty horn this is the girl who was friends with the group who was supposed to be there for that night but she wasn't right Uh, she meets the kids and offers them muffins janelle admires the artistry of the case janelle's all about that creativity Nice. Um, Patty explains how she works on cakes, and Stevie compares it to a crime scene. Not the best idea under the circumstances. No, under no. the circumstances. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, but so Patty explains it like this: uh, You say, set your main element in the middle, then go toward the edges and down the sides. Uh, it's true that it helps in terms of not disturbing any edge work by accidentally hitting it as you go, but I've always preferred working from the outside in. Like a crime scene, Stevie says. Girlfriend. And, and, mm. and then Patty's like, a crime scene? And then Nate explains, she does this. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you always have to have a friend there that's like, yeah, she's like this. Yeah, yeah. Like you Don't just, even think you about have, it. You just have to run with it. Yeah. Uh, they arrive at camp and meet the camp runner, Nicole. She's kind of a hard ass and wants nothing to do with the murders. And, uh, she's like, this is a camp for children. We are here to have fun. I don't want to hear any murder talk. And if you say anything, you are out. Uh, cause she's like, I know who you are, Stevie Bell. I'm not going to let you ruin this camp. Oh my gosh. But she is a child. So therefore. <laughs> yeah, she, she can be there. Um, deal with it. Deal with it. Right. Exactly. D- don't you want her help? Don't you want to solve this murder? But Exactly. Okay, whatever. So she wants nothing to do with the murderers. Carson wants to keep it a secret as to why Stevie is there with her friends in order to, like, not get in trouble with Nicole or anything. Uh, he shows the crime scene to Stevie in the woods. She's sp- surprised by how unremarkable unre- the spot of the murders is. There's, like, nothing left behind. Police took the lid of the hunting blind. Back then, they took the lid of the hunting blind off. um, And then, before souvenir hunters took the rest of the hunting blind years later. Like, all of the forensics and everything was disturbed. Nothing is there anymore. It was a piss... You gotta love the 70s. You love it. It's a piss-poor job at investigative work. (laughs) And I'm very glad that we have turned the tables. I don't know how they solved any sort of case back I then. I really don't. It's a, Honestly. It, yeah. It's very You surprising. had to have been the worst criminal on this earth. Yeah. 
for them to to solve it. Yeah, honestly, it's like no no wonder like serial killers were so big back then. Exactly, because so all you had to do was like just not be an idiot. <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> all you had to do is you know have a knife. And stabby stab and... And get out of there. And get out of there. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, God. Okay. So, (laughs) moving on to the details of the murder. So, they discuss how um, because there was no struggle, there could have been a gun involved. They could have been held at gunpoint. um, But... They were stabbed, so that wouldn't make sense. Why? Why would you use two different weapons in this case? Right, you especially should... in the seventies. Like they're not trying to throw anyone off their scent. No. There is no scent for them to travel. <laughs> exactly. No, and you have a preference. There's no point in having multiple right. multiple murder weapons. No. Um, so the kids were high, but there were no sedatives in their system. Um, the killer waited until the kids were separated before attacking, so you know that it was probably one person. Right. Uh, divide and conquer. That's just common sense. Yeah, divide and conquer. Right. Uh, so Nate makes a comment about Carson being a, a creepy, creepy, creepy man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not wrong. He, he starts. He starts singing. Wait, let me see. Yeah, where he goes. He goes. Creepy man. Creepy man. Nick saying Unger's breath. This is a creepy, creepy man. Uh, yeah. So Carson, Carson's like might be more obsessed than Stevie at this point. Oh no! 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 no, no, no. no. Yikes! <laughs> okay. Flash for uh, back in time. This is four days after the murder now. This is July 11th, 1978. Uh, every business closes in town after 3 p.m. And they ho- the whole town gets together for a picnic in memory of the teens. Uh, everyone's on edge. Brandy, the girl who found Eric, talks with her sister Megan. She's shook by the murders. She questions whether or not the killer would come back. Um, her, her sister's like, no, why would they come back? But Brandy says they would stick around if either they lived here or planned on killing again. And then the chapter ends by saying she was right. Oh, no! Yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Flash forward. Group looks around the, um, at the rest of the townies. Um, so now they're at this actual charity event. Charity event. And they're looking at the different suspects. There's Paul Penhale, um, who was the brother of Michael. He is now currently the town veterinarian. He is happily married, mm-hmm. happily married with his husband. They they live in a great life. Then there's also Sean, who uh, or he owns a uh, water sports business now, also fairly successful. Uh, Susan is happily married to her wife Magna and if you if, <gasps> love that if you marry if you remember correctly Magna was the nurse and Susan ran the camp and they were lovers and now they're happily married and it's great there's a lot of gay people in this small and, town. I, and we love to see it. it I'm just saying like maybe this was just like we I don't know it's like a gay town and it was the 70s so they just couldn't say anything yeah Ooh. It's a theory. It's a theory. Okay. Uh, So Carson introduces Allison to Stevie and her friends. Uh, Allison is uh, actually Sabrina's younger sister. Um, And 
Uh, she also, he also introduces them to Sergeant Graves, who's the new officer appointed to the case. Allison gave up on law enforcement a long time ago, but she still holds hope for answers, so she's, like, the most gung-ho about still solving the murder. Um, she's still right. very much obsessed with her sister, Sabrina, and doing everything she can to do her, her murder justice. Um, so she explains that... Sabrina used to journal a lot back then, and the last journal she had um, the summer she was murdered, uh, she still can't find. And that she's like, all I want, if anything else, I just want the journal for my memory of my sister. If you can, great. Yeah, if you can do anything to, to find it, that'd be great. I'd really appreciate it. Um, so Stevie promises, if she found it, to give the journal to Allison. Um, but then... Allison figures some shit out and she gets mad at Carson because he reveals kind of like on accident that the event was more for the podcast than actually helping the library. Right. So that's no good. She's pissed, rightfully so. Yeah, I don't blame her. No, me either. The the kids go back to the bakery with Patty. Patty talks about her family. She explains a little bit more. Her um, mom died when she was 11 to cancer, and her dad was a military man. He was military intelligence. He gave Patty the world, anything she wanted. Uh, but Patty, in rebellion, when she was a teenager, she became kind of troubled, and the dad didn't like her friends, a.k.a. Eric, Todd, and Diane. Um, and... He didn't like her boyfriend. Her Patty's life revolved around her boyfriend, Greg, for a long time back then. And around, like, maybe a little before the time of the murders, Greg actually cheated on Patty with Sabrina. <gasps> the tea. The tea. The tea. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. Mm, that's scandalous. I know. You wouldn't expect that from good girl Sabrina. No. Mm -hmm. Wow. The audacity. It is the caucasity. The caucasity of the man. <laughs> um, so, but even though she found, like, um, so Sabrina, out of guilt, told Patty that they had kissed. Um, and then she got mad at Greg. They had a fight. They made up the next day. Um, this was around the summer of the murders. But they got in trouble for hooking up in the woods when they were making up. And that's why, <laughs> that's the reason she was under house arrest the night of the murder. Oh, you silly goose. Mm-hmm. Oh, Patty. So was Greg also working at the summer camp, or did he just come by to make up with Patty and then was like, peace, he, I, I got another job? He was also working at the summer camp. Okay. Um, but then, I guess, like, to separate them, she was under house arrest at the nurse's station, but he he was sent home. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Right. Um, so... The night of the, the picnic that I mentioned earlier, like in memory of the, um, of the kids, mm -hmm. all the teens in town met up at the football field, and Patty had this big fight with Greg uh, because he showed up drunk and high. And he, oh, no. Yes, and this was like, again, four days after the murder. That night after the fight, he left on his motorcycle and got in a car accident and died. <gasps> Shut up! Oh my god! So she lost all of her friends in one week. This this woman needs therapy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, homegirl needs therapy so bad, and I know she's not getting it because it's the seventies. You said it exactly. Well, listen, now she she still isn't getting therapy, which she needs. Like 
get it together, oh, no. Patty. Deal with your trauma, Patty. Uh, well, this is what she says. She says she tries to create beauty through her baking when there's so much shit in the world, so she thinks that's what helps her, but I really don't think so. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's nice, but, like, I feel like you need a therapist to work through that kind of stuff, but right, exactly. who am I to say? No, like, putting some flowers on a cake isn't going to cut it. Oh my gosh, that is so 70s of them, too, for this person, for that guy to, like, die in a motorcycle accident. Right! Like, under the influence. Of course. Of course. It's just, it's just typical, you know. Yeah, oh my gosh. Se- uh, um... What, what is it? Uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Something like that? Oh, so true. You mm-hmm. got a point there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next, Stevie wonders why someone re- would research the woodsman, bring supplies, and chase Eric miles through the woods. Because remember, this was like they were five miles from camp, and Eric had to make it all the way to the edge of camp before he was caught by the killer. Perhaps they were a runner, they were a track star. Ooh. Well, Eric was, actually. Eric was a track star. That's yes, I remember that. Oh, that's funny because I'm making a TikTok. Uh, or they're a runner, they're a track star. Have you ever heard that meme? No. It's a meme, I promise. But that's really funny. He was a track star. Oh my god, I'm like an old person when it comes to memes. I'm like, I'm like, what is Francesca this? will get it when she listens to this episode. <laughs> Here, we'll we'll leave the silence for her to laugh. <laughs> um. Yeah, but she wonders why someone would go to all this trouble if all they wanted was Todd dead, you know? Um, but Nate, as I said, he's, like, obsessed with horror movies. He thinks of Patty as the final girl, and he's not wrong. Um, but Stevie reads up on files on the case that uh, Carson gave her. He gave her all these files and she finds that the case is harder to deal with than the Ellingham murders because there are actually people still alive who, uh, who were affected mm. by the murders. You know, the Ellingham case took place in the 30s. So she w- she had like a, an emotional detachment from that, but this is right. kind of harder to deal with. Right. Uh, she kind of starts to feel imposter syndrome because maybe she got lucky with her first case and this one she's like not cutting it. Right. Uh, but Stevie and Janelle go to sleep that night in their cabin and wake up the next morning to find surprise written in white paint on their wall. Oh, no. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. Next morning, Stevie tells Carson about the writing on the wall, and he says he'll come bring cameras. So she's going to put cameras around her cabin just to be more safe. She calls David, her boyfriend, freaking out. Uh, but he, like, tries to calm her down, and they start the day at breakfast, and Nate finds out one of the counselors got sick, so he has to work at one of the cabins now. Uh-oh. With nine-year-old kids, and he's like, Uh-oh. why does this summer keep getting worse and worse? I just <laughs> wanted to sit in my treehouse. This is awful, and I'm, I'm so feeling eight on this. This is, like, one of the reasons why he's my favorite character. He's really hilarious. <laughs> Um, okay, Carson shows Stevie he got a surprise of his own. So, 
It was, it was found in his car trunk after he came back from his run. Um, inside, there was a plain cardboard box about the size of a shoebox with the word Open Me Carson written in black sharpie. He opened the lid, revealed three dolls, one raven-haired girl, one plasticky boy, and one girl with red hair. They were bound in red string. It had red slashes of paint all over them, and they were positioned exactly like Sabrina, Todd, and Diane had been found. They were all dressed in approximations of the clothes they'd been found in. The word surprise was written inside the lid. I do not like that yeah. at all. Yes. That's not, mm, no thank you. Mm-mm. No, not not at all. He thinks someone's trying to deter them from investigating, uh, which is a, a fair point. It's a fair point, but like anyone should have known that that would only make them want to investigate even harder. I mean, you're, Duh. Not, you're not wrong. The, if you read Truly Devious, this happens a million times. This is nothing new. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I love it. Um, so the girls put up the cameras in their cabin. Allison, Sabrina's sister, uh, comes by to talk to Stevie again. She says she thought about it. She'll help Stevie because she feels she's genuine and asks to stop by her house for her morning run the next day. David tells Stevie he'll come to visit the camp for a few days and will arrive in the next couple days. So David, like I said, is going to come into the story a little later on. Next morning, Stevie takes a bike ride to Allison's house. Allison is a morning person. She says, told Stevie to come at 6.30 and Stevie arrived. And Stevie's not a morning person at all. And she's not, like, athletic at all. So when the, by the time she gets to Allison's house, um, she was supposed to get there at 6.30. She gets there at 7. She's, like, breathing heavily and she's so out of it. And Allison's like, I told you to come at 6.30. And she's like... I'm so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm here. Close enough. Close enough. Um, but it kind of gets a little creepy. Uh, Allison has a room filled with all of Sabrina's things. Ooh, yes. From hairbrushes to school notebooks to all kinds of... Uh, ac- so a thing, St- Sabrina... Um, Fun fact about Sabrina, she was obsessed with turtles. So she had, like, turtle stuffed animals and figurines. She even had, like, this clay turtle that she made at camp the night, uh, the summer she was murdered. Like, it's all there. So she shows Stevie all of the things she's kept, so it kind of makes sense that she would want the diary, the last diary that Sabrina was writing in that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, the two run to Arrowhead Point, which is the highest point on the lake. Um, Allison runs this route every morning. She's very familiar with it. It's very beautiful. Good on her. Stevie's like, all right, can we go back now? Because (laughs) I'm really tired. Um, I don't blame her. (laughs) And, uh, she asks if Allison thinks Sean killed the kids, but Allison doesn't believe so. She really doesn't, because she was very familiar with Sean. She loved Sean. He was, like, a part of their family, and they were devastated when they broke up, but she doesn't think that he would do something like that. Right. Uh, Stevie arrives back at camp and finds Janelle in the Arts and Crafts Center. Janelle actually found an order form written by Sabrina uh, the summer she was killed. So this was... Um, in Sabrina's handwriting, and this was just a note to get uh, supplies for the arts and crafts room. So this is what she wrote. Paint, uh-huh. Paints, watercolors, acrylics, $60. Pencils, brushes, $50. Uh, ceramics, ring boxes, earring stands, cats, dogs, cookie jars, trash can, turtle, teddy bear, roller skates, 
$28. String, leather, cloth, $18. Total, $156. Why am I reading you a grocery list? You'll have to find out. <laughs> oh, no. Those prices seem kind of high for the 70s and 80s. You know, I didn't even think of that. You're, you're probably right. Like, the paints? $60? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how much paint they're ordering, but $60? Like, that seems like a lot for the 19, like 1978. I don't know. It must have been some ex expensive cloth. Or they must be ordering a lot of it, because... Yeah, exactly. They didn't specify how many. I mean, there's a lot of kids, so... I guess, it, right. I guess it makes sense. We'll suspend disbelief here. Right, absolutely. Okay, uh, moving on. Stevie goes to the cabin Sabrina was in that summer to see if she can find the missing diary, but she finds nothing. Uh, she can't get out of her head that Sabrina was not like the other kids. That, that's something that still sticks out to her about this whole murder. Uh, Stevie, Janelle, and Nate go to a cookout at the lake for the counselors. And at this point, none of the campers have come for the summer yet. So this is kind of like a cookout to start the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate starts complaining about his co-counselor, Dylan, uh, because mm -hmm. Dylan's trying to become an influencer. And he oh, boy. <laughs> and of he course. And he's recording, like, every single thing. And it's just not up Nate's alley. Uh, but Dylan points out, uh, point 23. This is the cliff that everybody jumps on at the lake, and it's called Point 23 because 20 people, 23 people have died jumping off. Of course. Mm -hmm. uh, Stevie figures out who's been trying to mess with her and calls for a group meeting with Carson. So uh, at one point, um, Dylan or one of the kids has a starts seeing how many hot dogs he can fit into his mouth and when Stevie sees that something clicks into place and she thinks I know who put the paint on my wall who put the thing in Carson's car I gotta call a meeting uh so she figures out the paint wasn't painted on the wall of the cabin at all but it was painted on wood patterned fabric hmm. so the person who put it in her cabin, waited until they were asleep, was able to, again, fit the fabric through the window. That's why it, it clicked into place when she uh, thought of the hot dog in, in the guy's mouth. I guess right. it, it made sense to her. Uh, so they, I guess so. Yeah, they pushed the fabric through the window, and that's how they were able to put the, um, the I guess, like the, the tapestry on the wall, even though the, the paint had dried. Because that, that's, mm -hmm. that's the thing she couldn't figure out is, like, how are they able to get in and get painted all there and have it dry in time by the time we woke up? Right. Uh, well, turns out it was Carson. Uh, Carson did the whole thing because uh, he had fabric, very nice fabric, from his box box subscription boxes. Oh, my from, gosh. From the bag. Stop. <laughs> So he used the fabric for that. He used the fabric to make the dolls in his car. He wanted to do something to spice up the podcast. So that's why he did it. Oh, my. Of course. And uh, Stevie's just pissed because she's like, this is stupid. Of course I would figure it out right away. And she warns him not to mess with the rest of the investigation moving forward. <laughs> she's so official for a 16-year-old. Right, exactly. Don't mess with the rest of the investigation. I mean it. Right, and this is like a guy in his late 20s, and he's like, okay, Stevie, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Oh, gosh. Okay. So, moving on, Stevie bikes back to town to visit Allison again at the library. Um, she gives the order sheet with Sabrina's handwriting on it to Allison, and Allison is very appreciative. Uh, Allison takes Stevie to the vet's office to talk to Paul. Paul and Stevie talk. They walk to Patty's bakery. Stevie questions him about his brother's death and the murders. Uh, everybody, everybody. And they say this throughout the book a million times. Everybody knows Todd killed Michael. Like, it's no, no like, nothing else. Right. This is fact. This is fact. Uh, it was a big cover-up, poor investigation. An example would be, no one checked his car after Michael's murder. because. Oh, it, my gosh. It, it's Come on, guys. It suspiciously went to the shop and came back, and it was fine, and nobody thought to check it after that. This is Investigation 101 here, boys. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Um, but Paul explains he went over to the lake house the night of the murders um, to hang out with Sean, uh, like was said earlier. And he even puts in the detail of um, they were together the whole night learning how to play Stairway to Heaven on guitar. Paul says the murderer has to be local and something about being in the right place at the to- right time seems, seems very fishy to him. Uh, so the campers arrive to start the summer session. Finally, Nicole chastises Stevie for being in town instead of at camp with the kids. Stevie immediately disobeys these orders again by going, (laughs) by going to meet up with David, um, when he arrives at the campsite on the other side of the lake. They have a quick makeout session and Stevie goes back to camp. Uh, of course. <laughs> of course. She's of like, course. stay at camp to stay with the kids. All right, see ya. <laughs> Let me just go make out with my boyfriend real quick. Yeah, just give me two seconds. Uh, so the next day, Nate explains he has an eight-year-old nemesis now. Uh, oh, no. His, oh, no. <laughs> his name is Lucas, and he won't stop pestering Nate about finishing the second book. You know what? Then That's fair. I'm I'm with Lucas. Yeah, but not only does he like try to get him to finish the book, he also criticizes everything about the first book. <laughs> <laughs> a true literary critic uh, criti- critique. A true like, fan. You know. Wow. What? Love that. Mm-hmm. Eight years old and already given out reviews. Right. Exactly. He's. Yeah. He's gonna go far. I love him. Yes, a, a book blogger in the making. Yeah, <laughs> a booktuber. A booktuber, if you will. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, again, David kayaks over to the camp and meets Stevie at her cabin. Uh, but they get caught by Nicole. Of course, she gives another warning to Stevie. This is of course. A, this is becoming a pattern. Um, What's she gonna do? Throw her out if she gets caught again? Apparently, that's what she said. And then you and Damn. your friends are out. I, I think Nicole did it, just from that comment. <laughs> I think Nicole did it, even though she wasn't alive the time of the murders. Yeah, she went back in, in time. Okay. All yeah. right. I believe it. Thanks. Right, right I all, appreciate your support. Write a whole, like, fanfic and do it. <laughs> yeah. I will, and then I'll, um, I'll uh, link it in tw- at, on our Twitter. Right, exactly. <laughs> Nicole was the murderer the whole time. The whole time, right. Um, okay, Carson... Stops by the camp in this moment, and he is very distressed. He comes over. He has to talk to Stevie right away, and he tells Stevie, Allison, Sabrina's sister, was found dead. 
The tea, the drama. The tea. And it turns out Allison was found at Arrowhead Point where she takes her morning run every day. And apparently she fell during that run into the lake and the rocks below. Sure. 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 She Quotation marks. Fell. Uh, right. Carson takes... Pushed is more like it. Pushed is the obvious answer. But we'll get right. we'll get to that. We'll get we'll get in right. Yeah. Uh Carson takes Stevie over to the scene. Stevie speaks to some of the witnesses and they say they heard a scream before she fell. They didn't see anyone else to assume she was pushed. Stevie doesn't believe it was an accident. Allison was precise and organized and took the trail every day. There's no way she would have fallen by accident. I I'm with her on that one. Yeah. It's fishy. It's very fishy. Suspicious. Mm-hmm. Sufficient. Fishy? I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was trying to be clever there. It didn't work out. Uh, Stevie gets a call from Susan Marks. Now, remember, Susan was the um, runner of the camp back in the day. She gets a call from right. Susan uh, when she gets back to camp. Susan said Allison gave her Stevie's number to talk to her about the case uh, and wanted to honor Allison's wishes. Uh, which is very nice. But David comes along with Stevie this time into town to talk to Susan. He introduces himself to Susan as Stevie's assistant. And That's so cute. It's very cute. And uh, Susan aptly calls him her Watson. Oh, that's so cute. I know. Uh, was so, she watching like BBC Sherlock? Because that's definitely the vibe that Sherlock was giving off. That's honestly what I was thinking of. Thinking <laughs> of David. I'm like, yeah, he could be the Sherlock Watson for sure. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Even though, in my opinion, uh, I really didn't like David in the original trilogy. He's like kind of oh, an Oh no, it's he. Kind of an asshole, but that's besides the point. Is David older than Stevie? No, they're the same age. Okay, because for some reason he just gives off like older asshole boyfriend vibes to me. Yeah, I can see that. And it is proper because his father is basically like, the fictional equivalent to Donald Trump. Oh, no. And Stevie's parents worked on his campaign. Ooh, yikes. That's rough, Stevie. Big yikes. Uh, We are not our parents, though. It's okay. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of like a spoiler for the first book, but not really. Not really. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot, really. No, not really. Not at all. Right. Just kind of, like... The beginning of her and David's relationship. Yes, we all got our flaws, sis. Absolutely. Um, where was I? Okay, Susan tells them she was very familiar with all the kids who were murdered um, because not only was she a runner of the camp, but she was also their teacher. But she does say she did not like Todd. Nobody liked Todd. That seems um, to be the theme. Yes. Again, she says everybody knows that Todd killed Michael. Um, she also says, because um, now she relays back to what she was doing the night of the murder, she says it was a very normal night. She was doing her rounds of checking in on everything. Someone's always manning the lake house in case anybody goes for a midnight swim and drowns. So uh, she checked in on um, Paul and Sean. They, she says that they were doing their thing, practicing Stairway to Heaven. She said the exact same thing that Paul did. Wow, uh, love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she relates the next morning and what happened there. Patty was supposed to be with the group, but she was in trouble. Um, 
Oh, Patty. Yeah, and this is, like, basically gets a little bit repetitive because, like, Stevie's questioning everybody and they're, right. they're talking about the night. But I'm just going to be repetitive, too. That's it. Just got to cover your bases. Yes, exactly. Did you hear me the first time? Probably not. I'll say it again. <laughs> I love it. So, um, the night of the picnic, so, like, the night that Greg died, Susan mm-hmm. actually drove by the school, and she saw that Patty was standing at the end of the school driveway, waving a flashlight around at Greg, and Susan was about to pull over to check on her because she seemed really upset when she saw another flash of light through the corner of her eye, and that's when Greg crashed. Eek. Uh, she says she has no idea what happened the night of the murders, but her gut tells her it has nothing to do with drug dealers or serial killers. I'm with her on that one. Yes. That is, that is the um, consensus. That is the consensus. Everybody basically mm. thinks the same thing. They just don't know what exactly happened. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan explains that she did try to find Sabrina's diary after that with no such luck. Um Stevie thinks there's something odd about her conversation with Susan, but she can't quite pick up what it is just yet. Uh, David tries to tell Stevie something, but then she spots Sean across the street. She goes to try to talk to him, but he refuses. He's kind of a jerk. She writes uh, notes about the murder after that um, when she gets back to camp. The notes are, Nothing special about night before. Paul and Sean in Lake House playing Stairway to Heaven. A scream. Ran, met Magna Murphy, Magna and Susan married. Gathered everyone in Dining Pavilion. Found three more missing. Patty Horn, new location. Camper sent home. Went to football field on night of the vigil. Saw Patty Horn crying. Saw a light of the crash up the road. Doesn't feel that it was a drug deal or a woodsman, but can't explain why. So those were her notes on uh, Susan specifically. And that's where my notes end. So this is going to get a, a, a little bit more disjointed. Love that. Uh, let's we see. Love some, we love winging it. Uh, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Honestly, winging it is my worst nightmare. But I do it to myself, so. <laughs> now she starts reminiscing about Stairway to Heaven. She's thinking, oh, I've heard that song before. She's like, why does this stick out that they both, Paul and Susan, mention Stairway to Heaven? Uh, It was something about what she said, about the music. So she's going through her notes, and and one name comes up more than once, which is Patty Horn. Right. Patty had the most ironclad of all alibis. Um, Someone had literally seen her all night long. Stevie goes back to Arrowhead Point with David to examine the scene again and get everything in order as to really what happened with Allison. This is where David starts to tell Stevie about um, what he was trying to tell her earlier. He gets Mm -hmm. into it by saying that he is not planning on going back to school in the fall. (gasps) Uh, He's not going back to Ellingham. Instead... um, He has um, this guy who's also a politician who is kind of in opposition with his dad. And the guy Mm -hmm. is willing to pay him to do a uh, program in England for school. 
And Stevie gets pissed. Stevie gets pissed about it because she's like, "Why didn't you tell me? Why did you right. wait until now?" And he's like, "Well, you've been so like obsessed with these murders, you haven't given me a chance to talk to you about anything." And that ensues a big fight, and they go their separate ways. Honestly, you're probably better off without him, Stevie. Honestly, I agree. I was kind of mad they got back together. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I, like, I love Stevie, it so much. You're so much better than him. You're so much better off. Oh man. Oh Stevie. Mm-hmm. She'll learn. She's young yet. Right. Exactly. They're probably not gonna last. Yeah, <laughs> it's a high school relationship. Exactly. Like, honey, your first love is not your last. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Stevie gets all mopey when she comes back to camp. She's in her own head, and Nate's basically, like, snap out of it. She's he, He's like, this has to do with David, right? And he's like, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Mood, that's me. <laughs> then Stevie and Nate go to the diner to get some things to eat. They get some burgers and fries, and things start, like, really connecting for Stevie. They start to click. So she takes her backpack out. She looks at all the items in front of her, her tablet, her phone, a notebook, everything she knew about the case, aside from whatever was floating around in her head, uh, all the tools she needed. Now there was time and space to think. She looked at the items. She looked at the ketchup. She looked at the menu and John Barlow's hat. She looked at the library. She felt herself beginning to see. Allison Abbott was dead. She'd been murdered, and almost certainly because of something to do with the case. Right. She hadn't just fallen off the cliff. It didn't matter how. Allison Abbott was not alive anymore, and someone had to do something. She promised Allison she would get the diary, and then Allison died. Which meant, logically, someone thought Allison was close to getting the diary. So, this part, I basically know exactly where I'm going with this. So, (laughs) when Stevie gave Allison the note with Sabrina's handwriting on it, that Mm -hmm. must have been the clue to Allison figuring out where the notebook was. The order form? Yeah, the order form. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so when she gave her that order form, she was like, okay, that must have clicked in Allison's head. Mm -hmm. Where can we go from here? This is probably why she died, and someone did not want her finding the diary. Right. She goes back to the note. Ceramics, ring boxes, earring stands, cats, dogs, cookie jars, trash can, turtle, teddy bear, roller skate... Uh, and it, it was a list. The list had animals and cookie jar. And then she starts to think about the ceramic turtle she saw in Allison's house. Mm-hmm. The ceramic turtle was not a figurine at all. It was a cookie jar, and in the cookie jar was the notebook. And she hadn't looked in this cookie jar the entire time she had it? The entire time, because it was glued shut. Okay, I was going to say, how do you not open something as soon as you get it? Right, exactly. Okay, okay. And, like, the notebook was in there tight. Um, But I'm getting ahead of myself. So, her and Nate, because she's fighting with David at this point, she decides to take Nate along, even though he's kind of, like, really against it. Her and Nate decide to go to Allison's house. She's like, we have to get the notebook. I know exactly where it is. I might be too late, but we have to see. So they go with their bikes. They go over to Allison's house. It's getting kind of late at that point, but they go. 
the house is locked, but they pick the lock to go inside. She's uh, looking for the turtle, and the turtle isn't where she left it um, in the room where all of Sabrina's things were. So she goes to look upstairs, and then she finds it, I think, in Allison's room. Mm-hmm. And by that point, Allison had died before she had the chance to actually open the cookie jar. She knew it was in there, but she right. didn't, didn't get the chance to open it. So she finds it. She calls on um, Nate, and the cookie jar actually had rubberized ceiling rings. So that's why it was so hard to open. I would just break it. Like, anyone else? Like, I would literally just be like, Well, that's exa- exactly what she did. <laughs> well, they, duh. They literally broke it, and found it they found the notebook it says property on sabrina abbott it's right there and then and this whole time nate was like you're crazy what the hell are you doing but then he's like i'm never questioning you again yeah of course <laughs> um it's a good lesson for him to learn <laughs> right exactly i mean haven't you learned that by now right then she like right when she starts to like sc- look through the notebook uh nate warns her he's like steven Stevie, he hears something. Someone has come inside the house. Someone's come inside the house, and it's probably the person who killed Allison. The door opens. There's footsteps. They decide to run out real quick. They kind of do this loop-de-loop and run out of the house. Um, But someone had moved their bikes. Their bikes are gone now, so they have no way of leaving so the person who's in the house moved their bikes they have no way of escape and as they're running away they see out of the corner of their eye that someone is in the window watching them they don't have time to see so they start running and as they're running someone starts shooting at them shit okay wow so escalated escalated very quickly so they're like run so they run into the woods and then they run and um Again, someone's shooting at them, and the first thing Stevie thinks of is they have to uh, jump into the lake. Uh, Does she still have the the diary with her? That kind of... I'm going to hold off on that because they don't really specify until later in the book whether or not she had the Okay, because I was going to say, if you jump in the lake, you're ruining the fucking diary. Right. So, girlfriend, I don't know about that one. Yeah. For a moment, there was nothing, and then their heads popped up above the water, and she's thinking, we're going to die, we're going to die, but I have to hold on to the diary. And um, But then Nate's like, Stevie, forget the diary, we have to get out of here. Uh, and then, right when they think that they're about to die and there's nothing else they can do, David comes to the rescue in his kayak. And in his singular kayak? In his singular kayak. Oh my gosh. What's David fucking gonna do with a, a single person kayak? Right, exactly. But apparently he saves the day of whatever. Uh, sure. <laughs> I don't like David already. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You don't even know him and you don't like him. Oh yeah, and and in the drop, Stevie broke her arm, by the way. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. Okay, so as they get back onto shore, Stevie's like the diary, and then he's like, forget the diary, and she keeps going back to the diary because she knows there has to be something in there that states why Allison died. But moving on for now. <laughs> um, ah, 
Okay, so Stevie wakes up in the hospital after that. She kind of passes out again, um, but everybody's okay. Nate's okay, um, but when she wakes up from her stupor real quick, she's kind of like still really out of it, but she motions that she needs a pen. She needs a pen. She needs to write something down before she forgets. Um, so it was dark, but she could almost make out the word. She was writing on her cast. She was writing it on her cast. Light flash form. She wrote it out, and then she was okay. Now she could sleep. She wrote down what she needed to write down. What does that mean? I don't know. We'll find out. Okay, then after that, um, after Stevie gets better, she's discharged from the hospital. The first thing she says is that she needs to go back to camp. Um, specifically, she needs to go back to David's side of the camp first. Because there, where point 23 was, that's where she, she jumped off the cliff into the, the lake. She had left her backpack. She had tossed it to the side before jumping in. And in her backpack was the diary. <gasps> Thank goodness. So she had hidden it really quickly before they had jumped into the water. And then uh, Stevie explains, and this is getting to the part where, you know, she reveals everything. She tells David uh, that she needs as Carson would say, a think jam, and she needs... <laughs> so, so stupid. And then she needs Janelle to make a craft for her. And then she says the reason is because it's what Francis Glessner Lee would do. It's time to show Barlow Corners a nutshell. And that's where the nutshell murder cases come back into play again from the beginning of the book. All right, so the first thing she does is she gathers everybody back at camp all the townspeople, everybody that was involved in the murder, she starts from there. The first thing she explains is that the thing that stood out to her the most before anything else was the conversation she had with Susan, specifically the conversation she had with Susan and Paul, uh, and how over and over again, Stairway to Heaven, the exact same phrase of Paul and Sean practicing Stairway to Heaven on guitar. And Steve explains, only people who are trying to keep their story straight would have a very specific detail like that. Uh, and that they would say it from one person to the other. And that's where they caught them. So they did lie. Sean and Paul were not practicing Stairway to Heaven at the lake house. Sean uh, was there by himself and because those were the time of the 70s, they couldn't tell the truth. Paul was actually out meeting his boyfriend. Um, and so that's why I, I, th I think it was a guy from a neighboring town or something. But he was out to meet him and that was his alibi. But of course, during that time, you couldn't be out and gay. So they had to come up with an alibi. And Susan Oh, so Sean covered for them? Sean covered for them. Susan oh, nice. covered for them because Susan sympathized because she was also gay. Right. And she that's understood. So she knew that's that. That's so nice. I know. She knew that something wasn't right with their story. So she helped them come up with a story. So sweet. We love gay sol gay solidarity. <laughs> right, exactly. We love allies. Okay. Yeah. So Sean, that was a, that was a good thing Sean did. Um. So that was one portion of the mystery solved. Moving on to to the rest. Um. Then, I feel like she could have just kept that one to herself, in my opinion. Honestly, but I mean, she didn't have to expose them. Paul is, is out and married now, you know, so it's not right. that big of a deal. But, yeah, Paul was basically like, 
after that, like so many years later, yeah, even though like I'm I'm out now, I couldn't just suddenly change my story to something mm-hmm. completely different. I would have been a hundred percent. I would have been a suspect. Sean would have been a suspect. Like right. So. But then Stevie's like, all right, who wants to hear what Sabrina Abbott had to say? Because I have her diary. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Love that. So basically, the beginning of the the diary starts explaining kind of like what happened earlier that year when Michael was killed. Sabrina says the same thing, that Todd definitely did it, but no one's going to say anything. Then she goes into how... Um, when she decided to break up with Sean. She loved Sean, but they were growing apart, and they just weren't right for each other anymore. They had been together for three years, but she was going away to college, and she wanted to start a new life. Right. Sean was never involved in anything. It was just an unfortunate occurrence. She broke up with him. She moved on. When she broke up with Sean, she kind of, like, lost, not lost her way, but she decided that she... (laughs) like, wanted to live a little. She felt like she had really not done anything her whole life, and that's when she started to hang out with the quote-unquote bad crowd. She started to hang mm-hmm. out with Eric and Diane and Todd because um, Sean had tried to talk to her and get her attention at school, and she was like, leave me alone, leave me alone. And Diane said, yeah, leave her alone. Sabrina, you can come hang out with us. And that's how it kind of, like, started. So then she started hanging out with them, along with Patty and Greg. So it was six people, yeah, six people in the group altogether, these friends. And they started hanging out. Um, and like I had said earlier, Patty's dad would give her anything she wanted. He was super rich. They had a really nice house, a nice pool. So they would all uh, go over that summer. They'd all go over to Patty's house to hang out in the pool. And then at one point when they were hanging out, Patty's dad came and was, like, seeing how all of them were. And something about Patty's dad she felt like was off. There was something, like, weird mm, there. Right. Um, but she didn't think of anything of it. And then another time... Um, Greg asked Sabrina to hang out with him. And he's like, let's go to Patty's pool. Like, she'll, she's okay with it. Let's go hang out. And she's like, why would we go to Patty's pool when she's not there? And he's like, I do it, right. all, I do it all the time. It's okay. Like, come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. So they go. They start to hang out. And um, they're, they're in the pool. They're chilling. And then they hear Patty's dad coming. And then Greg's like, oh, we have to hide. Let's go in the pool house. And she's like, I thought you said Patty was okay with it. And he's like, mm-hmm. uh, let's just go go in the pool house. Uh, oh, boy, Greg. Um, Greg. So then they overhear Patty's dad talking to this guy. Mm-hmm. He, this guy came over to the house, and they're speaking in German. That is some, mm-hmm. something like you have to take in mind. But... Good thing Sabrina knew some German, so she could kind of piece together what they were saying to each other Mm -hmm. here and there. Right. um, She says in her diary, this is when things got really strange. Um, Okay. Let's see. So, the man that 
Mr. Horn was talking to. His name was Wendell. He said that he hadn't seen Mr. Horn since Harvard. Mr. Horn started joking, asking how the man had found him. The man said that he had been at his dentist's office and was leafing through uh, the bicentennial edition of Life magazine in the waiting room when he saw the picture with Mr. Horn and all of us in it. And this was kind of like a side thing that they talked about throughout the book of there was this picture um, and it was from the bicentennial of when they put up the statue of the town's founder and the whole town was in the picture and it was in Time magazine. And so that's interesting. Yeah. And so that's how this man had found um, Patty's dad. Right. Yeah. And he started speaking in German. The man asked why. And Mr. Horn said, because whenever he talked about, oh, wait, sorry. Okay. Mr. Horn started speaking in German. The man asked why, and Mr. Horn said because whenever he talked about the war, he preferred German in case neighbors could hear. Because of the nature of what they did, the man seemed to understand that. And then Sabrina goes on to explain, my German isn't perfect. I'm good enough to basically follow things, but some of it was too advanced, idiomatic. I'm writing down what I remember. I didn't get all of it. Something like, after Berlin, I never heard from you again. I thought the Russians killed you. Mr. Horn said they almost did. Man, how long were you in prison there? Mr. Horn, eight months. Man, you've done well for yourself, Mr. Horn. I've done all right. And then they go on to talking a little bit more. Um, oh my gosh, is this guy a Nazi? Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, let's see. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> then, okay. Then Patty came home and interrupted them. Um... Okay, then her and Greg had to hide out a little bit longer in the pool house, and that's when they started making out. Sabrina didn't know really what happened, but she felt really guilty about it. Moving on, um, she talks about even writing this down makes her feel weird. Um, they they hung out at the, the pool again at Patty's house another day with all the kids, and Mr. Horn was watching her very weird. Like, he, oh, he was boy. looking at her... Um, and then he said to Sabrina at one point, I'm going to have to watch out for you. Uh, and then he said, Sir? Sir? Like, what do, you, what do you mean? Sabrina explains in her diary that uh, Mr. Horn had asked the man where he was staying. And he had said that he was staying at this motel in town. And... Sabrina just couldn't help shaking something wasn't right about this, so she decided to go to the motel herself and say that she was, mm -hmm. that the man staying there was a friend of her dad's and uh, that he left something at his house and she needed to go get it. Right. So they let her in, and, and they say that he never checked out, he left his key in his room, the man is missing now. This man Shit. has disappeared. She says something's not right. Uh... So she's reading back the conversation that she had overheard. Um, this man, his name is Wendell Rolf, he says, After Berlin, I never heard from you again. I thought the Russians killed you. And then uh, he says, uh, Who was it you were following? Von Hessen or whatever the name was? Mr. Horn, yes. I don't think they ever found him, did they? Mr. Horn, I thought they found his body eventually. No, they never found him. Mr. Horn, you keep up with this. And then the other guy said, yes. So what does that opt up to? 
Uh, she only, can only think of one thing. A man came to Mr. Horn's house. They seemed to know each other from the war. There was a tension between them. Something was wrong. Then the next day, the furniture was moved around. There was change in the pool. Mr. Horn acted strange. And the man never went back to his motel. You read all kinds of stories about Nazis who escaped. People go looking for them. They take on new identities in different countries. What the hell is going on? Oh, boy. So... Sabrina goes to the library. She starts uh, reading all kinds of books just to get some ideas of what's going on. So, like I said, she was volunteering at the library before. Uh, she kind of starts reading up on different books about Nazis and, and all kinds of stuff. But as she's leaving the library with these books in her hands, she runs into Mr. Horn. And he's like, oh, like some heavy reading, right? And she's like, mm -hmm. yeah. And she's like very uncomfortable by that. Right. Um, so she decides to like, she doesn't know. She's like, I don't know why I said this. I'm very uncomfortable now. I think something's wrong. Because um, Mr. Horn goes, that's some serious summer reading. And she says, it's for Columbia. They make us do some reading over the summer before we come. Some literature, some history. He goes... Uh, he says, uh, wow, or something like that. And he was being really normal, but my heart was going fast. And there was, I don't know, something in his expression. I don't know why I did this. I said, did you have to do that or Harvard too? Because remember, Patty's dad went to Harvard. Right. And he said he couldn't remember. Maybe it was too long ago. Then he said, how did you know I went to Harvard? I said, Patty told me. Uh, the trouble was I hesitated because it took me a second to think of it because my brain froze. He looked at me for a long second and smiled. Then he said goodbye and good to see you and have fun at camp and went on doing what he was doing. Yikes. Okay. Um, so she's like, Mr. Horn isn't a Nazi. This can't be right. I'm like thinking too much about this. I'm going to go to camp. I'm going to have a fun summer. I got to get this out of my head. I'm going to have fun. And the last thing she writes in her diary is, do you hear me, Sabrina Abbott? This is your summer to live. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Get a sip your wine. Yeah. So like the last thing she says in her diary is like, this is your summer to live. And then she dies. Fuck. I know. <laughs> Shit. And that was the last entry. So, um, oh, I forgot this part. I forgot that this happened. Uh -huh. Oh my God. Okay. So. She actually has her friend, so her friend Jermaine Bat. Jermaine Bat was in the original trilogy too. She's um, her thing was that she wanted to be a reporter, so mm -hmm. uh, so she comes actually because she did her own research, Jermaine. So she comes to like explain the rest of what's going on. Um, so she did her research and she goes on to say. Uh, I started with Harvard because that came up in the conversation. You showed me. I got in touch with some people there uh, this afternoon, and they pulled some yearbooks for me. Wendell Rolfe graduated in the class of 1940 along with Arnold Horn. I found enlistment records for both of them on the genealogy website. Wendell Rolfe was honorary, honorarily discharged in 1946 and Arnold Horn in 1947. So far, so normal. But then everything about Wendell Rolfe just goes away. I had to go through local paper archives and Facebook all day, but I found a relative of his. I pretended I was part of the Harvard alumni research thing, so they talked to me. Wendell Rolfe went away for a weekend fishing trip in 1978. He never came back. He was declared dead in 1983. No one knows 
if he had an accident or not. But it sounds like she... his family thought he may have taken his own life and wanted to spare them somehow and make sure they got the life insurance money. You can find out a lot if you say you're from Harvard. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, so, Wendell Rolfe sees his old classmate and army buddy Arnold Horn's picture in a magazine. It's definitely him. His name is in the caption. He just decides to pay his friend a visit. It seems pretty clear that he realizes right away that something is off and that this isn't Arnold Horn. <gasps> Uh-oh. In the conversation Sabrina overheard, he mentions another man, a Von Hessen. He was a lot early, easier to find. Otto von Hessen was a high-ranking Nazi intelligence officer working <gasps> out of Berlin. Jeez. Lots of stuff out there about him. He was last seen in April of 1945, right before Berlin fell. Then he vanished. Want me to put up the pictures? The resemblance between Arnold Horn and von Hessen is identical. So, von Hessen killed Arnold Horn in the war, took his identity... Uh, this is so wild. This is so wild. Okay. So, yeah, that was what Sabrina was finding out. And moving forward, that's basically what it was, is that, that the big secret was that Patty's dad was a Nazi. but And that's basically why he killed Sabrina. But it doesn't end there. Of course not. No. Sabrina wasn't the only one in that boathouse. Greg was no. also, Greg was also there too and he right. overheard everything. So Patty's dad, Mr. Horn, also planned to kill Greg. So Greg's motorcycle accident was not an accident. Of course not. Mm -mm. Not at all. So he planned to kill him and then Stevie goes on to question Susan again. So the night that Greg died, she said she saw Patty crying at the end of the school driveway and then she saw a crash. No, Stevie says, that's not exactly what you saw. Well, she saw a flash of light, and he crashed. Why would you see a flash of light when Greg crashed? His headlights, I guess. Um, as the bike spun around, I don't know actually how bright was it. Very bright, and I, enough that most of what I remember, I suppose, that would have been too bright for a headlight. Maybe it was something else. And then Stevie turned to Janelle. Can you bring it out now? And this is when Janelle brings out her own mini version of a nutshell. <laughs> so she made a nutshell of the parking lot and the accident where um, it happened at the school. So here's she goes, here's Patty Horn, here's the motorcycle, and she goes, and this is you, Susan. Is this about where you were uh, when you saw the lights? Yes, I was about to turn into the driveway. And what was Patty doing? She was crying. But what else was she doing? What did you tell me? She was crying, screaming, really upset, waving a flashlight around. She was waving a flashlight to signal somebody. <gasps> a family job. Oh, my gosh. Ah! Oh, my God. It was so wild. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, like, getting heated about it again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, okay. Then she goes on to... Um, then Stevie goes on to the murder of Allison. So she explains, what was the one thing you could count on with Allison? Her schedule. She ran every morning and she stopped on our head point. That was perfect. Easiest thing in the world to fall off a place like that and 
and that there would likely be people nearby who would see the entire thing go down and be able to swear, absolutely swear, that no one else was up there. Honestly, I'm kind of worried that I gave you the idea. When we came into your shop on the first morning we were here, and we were looking at your cakes, and this is her talking to Patty, Janelle, mm-hmm. Janelle asked how you decorated them. You said that you, your trick was to work from the outside in. I said, like a crime scene. No one ever listens to me when I say stuff like that, but I think you did. If Allison fell, the area would be roped off and investigated from the outside in that means time time for something to vanish and what vanished on a hot rock in the summer ice ice there was no time for anything anything elaborate no molds or anything like that what you could do was make some sheets of ice put them on the point so that when allison stepped on them she slid right off the evidence either melted away as the sun came up or some of it fell off with her. When the police examined the rock, there was nothing there. You had everything you needed, large sheet pans, a professional-sized freezer, large-capacity containers, some kind of, uh, like, like the kind you used to transport elaborate food items. And one more thing, the only thing that's left to trace, this is a long-winded way of explaining how Patty was involved. So Patty, the few days before the murders, when she found out, um, that Sabrina and Greg had cheated. She was very upset, and actually, it was basically because of Sabrina's guilt that she died. She told Mm -hmm. Patty what happened. Patty went home that Mm -hmm. night. She left camp. She ran home. She was very upset. She told her dad what happened. She said that uh, Sabrina told her that her and Greg had made out and the lake house specifically. Mm-hmm. And that was validation, all the validation he needed to know that they did overhear him. Right. So that's when he definitely decided he was going to kill Sabrina. And so that night, she made sure that she had an alibi. Patty and her dad went out to kill Sabrina, and basically the other kids were just collateral. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yikes. So it had nothing to do with the other kids. It was all about killing Sabrina. It was all about killing Greg. And Patty, once she found out about her dad, she went along with it. She was explaining my father was a good man. I was just trying to help him. All this bullshit. Okay, sure. She's kind of crazy. Everybody finds out what happens. Patty's taken away. Nate goes to Stevie, and he's like, why didn't you tell me you had the diary? And she's like, I'm sorry, I had to do it that way. See, all the stuff with Allison, aside from the food diet, that's all guesswork. The thing that tied Allison's death to Patty was the diary. If Patty thought I didn't have the diary, she had to be really, really curious about the big gathering that was happening. I had to be sure she would go, and I had to be sure she was going to genuinely be shocked. I needed to startle her so badly that she might freak out and start talking on camera in front of people. I had to make sure she really thought she was safe up until the last second before I got out the diary. So that's the general gist of things. Patty is sent to uh, jail, obviously. Right. Everything. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, everybody finds out what went down. Stevie and David make up. He says that he decided that he is going to actually go back to school after all. Everything's good and dandy. Ugh. I know. That, that, honestly, the, the whole, that, that's the one thing I will say that I was kind of disappointed by was, like, the whole side plot of Stevie and David. It really wasn't necessary. Like, you could have just had him not show up in this book 
at all, and it still would have been just as satisfying. Right. But yeah, I'm sorry if, like, the last third (laughs) of this explanation was really, like, disjointed and all over the place. But hey! I feel like that's how it goes with mysteries. Honestly, it is. It's it's tough to get all the details in, you know? Right. There's so many of them. Yeah. And then, like, what happens to me a lot is, like, I'll get to the end of, like, a mystery or whatever where everything's unraveling, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even mention this small little minute detail right. that, like, ties everything in, and then I have to be like, okay, so, like, earlier in the book... Mm-hmm. There's, like, this part. That's why I was like, okay, you have to make sure that you mention the turtles. Uh, she loves turtles. <laughs> <laughs> because it's in the cookie jar, and oh my god. Right. Damn. Okay, well... That's it! Wow, look at that. look at you go. I'm trying. I feel like I was just, like, reading through the last portion of the book. I, yeah. You know, sometimes that's how it has to be. But I get, honestly, every time I'm on here, I, I think, like, I commend you guys for the job you do on this podcast. It is a lot of work. And it's so much work. I don't envy you at all. Do you want to plug anything here, Kayla? Your socials? Oh, sure. Um, I'm... I'm not that active on social media. I use my Instagram the most, I think, which is at uh, Kayla Elise, A-L-Y-S-E underscore. And then uh, I guess I'll plug my YouTube channel that I never use (laughs) Uh, uh, again, which is Kayla on Fiction. Yay. Everyone subscribe. Blow blow her notice up. Please. My my (laughs) last video was two years ago. Oh, no. Uh, We're in a pandemic. That's what it is. That's all you need to say, and then people exactly. understand. Exactly. Well, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Bookaholics Pod. You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, just Alicia Reads. And we'll see you for the next one. Bye. Bye.